Hello, Marvelites. You are listening to Marvel's The Pull List, and I'm Ryan, a.k.a. Agent M. Hey, cool cats and and fun folks. I'm, my name's Tucker Marcus, and I'm wearing a leather jacket, and I got a comb through my hair, and oh, man, sweet hot rod, dude. That is a perfect 50s Tucker. <laughs> oh, boy. Giving everybody the vapors out there. And we're getting into the 50s mood because... This is our Marvel 80th anniversary episode where we are focusing on the fabulous 50s. Yeah. I have done so much research <laughs> on this decade. I know so much more than I did before and still don't know anything. Yeah. It's yeah. fascinating. One thing I do know is that like this whole period, as far as I could tell, Stan Lee was editor. So right. you think of Stan Lee you know, marching us through the 60s and the comics and all that stuff. He was still shepherding us through the 50s with his hand in so much of this. I'm going to be doing a This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club with Mr. C.B. Sobolski, and we're doing four books for that, which are Tales of Suspense and Tales to Astonish. So we're not going to touch those titles in this episode. We're going to keep those for Twim URC. Here, we've got a different mix spanning the beginning and middle parts of the decade, and a lot of different genres. Mm-hmm. I think that was something fun that you and I could go through. Talking. Yeah. We're going to be looking at these different genres in this episode. But it's so fascinating to think of like the reasons why these genres were what they were and why they were so popular and successful in the 50s. Like as I'm reading this and kind of knowing where obviously we're going through the decades, it's even more interesting to think about like what was it about the early 60s about the superhero genre, because it's just, it's a genre, you know what I mean? Like, I think people think of comic books as synonymous with superheroes nowadays, but it's just a genre. What was it about that genre that made it like, okay, it's hitting, it's going to hit huge in the early mid sixties and it's going to stay huge for the next 55, 60 years through to today. You know what I mean? Like, and be the commanding comic book genre. There are a handful of superhero stories in the fifties. Yeah. Like, couple dozen maybe right maybe and i think it comes to the level of quality and sort of like just all stars that's interesting you know stanley jack kirby steve ditko the core bullpen and so the proof was in the pudding like it wrote yeah that's really interesting from that angle where it's just like that was a genre that was starting to get really popular at the time when the medium and the creators who are literally inventing the genre inventing the medium we're maturing themselves creatively and artistically. Uh, yeah. Comics history is real neat. Yeah. We're talking about genres. Two genres which we will not cover here because we didn't have any available to us <laughs> were westerns mm-hmm. and romance comics. Mm-hmm. It's really a bummer because Kid Colt, I believe, is one of like three books that lasts from the beginning of 1950 through the end of 1959. Wow. Yeah. It just keeps going. Yeah. Same thing with Patsy Walker. And at one point, she had four ongoing series. <laughs> she was Spider-Man. And hey, hey, I'm a big Western fan, but hey, don't get me wrong. I'm a big romance fan as well. Hey, hey sweetheart, you want to go together to the sock hop and get a soda pop afterwards? I don't know, just sucking on chili dogs, something like that. Well, just... <laughs> And it took a <laughs> weird turn, and I'm all about it. Uh, so this stuff that we're going to talk about, all available for you guys to, to check out on MU. And we're going to start off with Battlefield number 1, which came out December 19th, 1951. It's got a bunch of stories in here, including a tech story, which I found out from Trina Robbins, comics historian, that comics of the day had to have two pages of prose story. 
So this is this is like pre Comics Code Authority era. Some of this, yeah. Right, but right. I think even in the Comics Code, they had the, kind of the stories. Yeah. yeah, a bunch of stories in here. First one's called Five Hours Till Dawn, and Battlefield is a war comic. You know, in the fifties, tons and tons of war comics. It was one of the you know more popular genres. First story is by Don Rico and Russ Heath, and it's a story about five soldiers trying to survive the night. And there's this panel with a guy firing a machine gun. And he says. Old Bessie's hot as a Saturday night on 52nd Street. <laughs> I was like, that's a Tucker line if I ever saw one. Yeah, only two blocks from here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the next panel, he's fallen over with a bullet in his head. It is brutal. Russ Heath is a legend, and his close-ups and his shots where he uses lots of like deep blacks for shading, it's incredible stuff. And I, I should say off the top that I believe all of these are remastered that we're reading. Right. The comics look dynamic really really fun there's a a story called chain of command by hank p chapman and paul reinman and then this one looks at how orders and actions play out from the soldiers during the fighting to the guys in charge and it is a very sad story yeah a war story we've got a waste of time by dave berg this one's just a heartbreaker soldiers looking at pinups and one guy has pictures and letters from his wife and of course he gets hurt and then there's this plot twist and i was like Mm -hmm. oh man Mm mm-hmm uh, there's a story called Private Smith by Mac L. Pakula. And uh, in my notes, I just wrote in all caps, how did people read this and not get super depressed all the time? I know, I know. Right? Yeah. That was just super fascinating reading this specific kind of war comic because obviously the influence of of World War II was super great, even specifically directly on some of these creators that you know may or may not have actually served. And then moving into the Korean War, you know, maybe off the top of your head, you think back on this era and think it's like, oh, it's kind of pulpy, it's campy and things like that. But like, this was so hardcore. It was so gritty. And you could really feel the kind of like reality that informed a lot of these these kind of stories. I was totally shocked by that. Yeah, I think on the cover, you see the slaughter of Suicide Hill, which is one of the stories by Hank P. Chapman and Al Hartley. And it is exactly as it sounds. Yeah. And there's this one soldier just getting rattled by all he's seen. It's intense. Uh, you have this pro story in here, the jumping jeeps of Junga. Don't know who it's by, but it's just, you know, soldiers doing stuff to mess with the enemy and they make a canvas dragon. It's just wild stuff. <laughs> if this is your cup of tea, we have 11 issues of Battlefield on Marvel Unlimited. But as Tucker and I have said, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah. All right, the first book that I'm covering, it kind of feels like it's almost a, a mix of, of genres in a way because it's really interesting. It's kind of superhero stuff. It's kind of sci-fi stuff. It's, it was a real joy to read this one. This is Marvel Boy number one. Do we know what year this came out? I could give you the exact oh, day yeah. it came out. August 24th, 1950. Okay. So place that at the very beginning mm-hmm. of the decade. The superhero influence. Yeah. Still like they had pretty much gone away at that point, but- when you get into the stories, I'll tell you how it connects to all the superhero nice. stuff. Uh, yeah, so the first one is Marvel Boy and the Lost World. This was so fun because this was a really interesting kind of genre mashup, at least here at the start, of sci-fi and a superhero story because we're kind of journeying across the cosmos. We have this really strange and fun cast of characters that I thought were so great. And in like Marvel boy is kind of the straight man throughout. And then you have these like wild good guys and bad guys and like in betweeners surrounding him the entire time, which added so much color and so much fun to the entire story. I thought it was like, it was a real wild ride. Yeah. He's just like this, you know, fresh face. He's 17 years old. 
before we even get into more of that, do you want to know who did this yes. issue? Because the credits aren't – one thing we want to be clear is credits aren't the same as they are now. Right. Some artists signed their work. Sometimes you'll see a writer's name put in there by the artist as well. But a lot of times we're getting this information – from who knows where. Right? Yeah. So I have resources that I use. And so Marvel Boy in the Lost World by Stan Lee and Russ Heath. Wow. A 1950s superhero sci-fi story by mm-hmm. Stan. Part of the story in here is that a new continent is rising up on the earth. Mm-hmm. And someone in, the, in there is like, it's a seventh continent. And I'm like, wait, so does that mean Stan <laughs> only believed in the sixth continent? Is One that, of the should six... that be like a brackets like S-I-C period C like in brackets was that a mistake or no. what is going on there are model there are like beliefs that some people say there's only five continents some people say there's six what the heck? some people there say there's seven we go by the seven what would be the one in, in doubt maybe Australia I don't know I don't know either <laughs> I don't know maybe they just count Eurasia I don't uh, who what knows else? but at one point they talk about this new continent rising up mm-hmm. and they're saying the continent's rising up in the Atlantic but they give a latitude and longitude, which I put into a, a yeah, service that yeah. gives you like where that is, and it's Belgium. What? Like I was just like that's absolutely random numbers. Then yeah, they were just like <laughs> uh, I don't care here. And it's my birthday <laughs> date. <It was laughs> so good. I I got such a tickle out of that one. But yeah, it's it's real fun. Uh, the next one is called Panic. <laughs> that is written by Henry P. Chapman. Not sure who did the art. Yeah, this one again was so interesting. And almost hard to define because these aren't like genres where it's like so strict to being like, make this a horror book or make this a sci-fi book necessarily per se. You know, I don't think the rules were that delineated, you know, when you're just thinking of, oh, let's write a story. When you're actually thinking about the creative process and how these stories were put together, it was more just like write a story, write a great story and have, you know, obviously certain influences or certain direction you want to go. But... I don't know. It it is like Earth history, sci-fi, almost like. And all these stories, they looked at them as like, mm, we may not do this thing ever again. Right. So it's kind of throwaway. Right. Uh, but that, I loved this panic yeah. story. It was great. Yeah. There's a prose story called The Case of the Cat. It's a real bummer. Yeah. I was bummed out. <laughs> yeah. Hardcore. On yeah. This uh, and then we have Marvel Boy Eyes of Death. Another one by Stan and Russ. Yes, which was great. This one felt like it slotted more directly into my expectations for like a 1950s comic. It was really fun. It's like this kind of, it's like takes advantage of some really fun kind of campy or like pulpy kind of tropes in a way that also has the kind of like superhero dresses up and in costume and like superhero like is uh, kind of bounding in back alleys and things like that, which are super fun. And like it also has that kind of like just outright, just dastardly villain aspect, which I love. The uh, great video. Yes, exactly. Loved. You need to be the great video for Halloween. <laughs> I think it works perfectly. There's like one panel in here specifically where it's like a super close up of eyes that are like dark and shaded and things like that. And it's so dramatic. There are certain out, there are certain moments here where someone's looking over their shoulder like really dramatically and there's kind of cast in shadow and things like that. Yeah. Marvel Boy. You're Agent M. Yeah. Maybe I could revive this title. Yeah. Marvel Boy, although there is another titled book that I felt a great kinship with that we'll get to in a, in a second. But okay. yeah, <laughs> we'll get there. But I wanted to do a little bit more just about this issue because this issue has uh, the wonderful Russ Heath and Saul Brodsky cover, but it features the first appearance of Marvel Boy, 
who would later be revived in the excellent series Agents of Atlas by Jeff Parker and Leonard Kirk. That happened 10, 12 years ago. We saw in that, Agents of Atlas, a whole revival of great characters. Jimmy Woo, who was in Ant-Man and the Wasp. Mm. Gorilla Man, who's currently in Avengers. We've got, like... So much interesting history in this one book from 1950 yeah. and how it even connects to today. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Up next is a book called Menace. <laughs> you got to say it like, like yeah. Menace. Yeah. Issue number 11. This one came out January 28th, 1954. The cover is by Harry Anderson. And it's so cool. So creepy. You've got these green arms. They're wrapping around a person and latching a chain holding this guy mm-hmm. uh, and the guy's looking at you upside down and his eyes are just like piercing into you <laughs> so creepy this issue has five comic stories and of course it's prose two-pager and the first story is the reason why this book is on marvel unlimited it is called i the robot it is drawn by john ramita senior not sure who wrote it but it features the first appearance of uh who would later be known as m11 the human robot who was part of Agents of Atlas with Marvel Boy and the others. But this story is more of a horror tale about sort of this imperfect robot who obeys its orders a little too perfectly. <laughs> and Romita, just great work on acting, especially look at the eyes in the story. He's so good. Mm. Legendary talent. Second story is called A Fate Worse Than Death with art by Seymour Moskowitz. And it's a really cool looking story of this astronaut who is stranded on Mars and the, the Martian woman who helps him survive, the design of the Martian woman is yeah. so cool. Yeah, that was really cool. She's like this weird monster with this snout and these scales, and it just looks unlike anything else. Yeah, that was one of my favorite elements of these books. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. But I will say the story ends with some really gross misogyny by the end that bummed <laughs> right. me out hardcore. Yeah. Third story is called Only a Beast with art by Al Ida, and it has some similarities to the robot story, more of a straight-up horror tale. It's got your terrible people, they're hateful, uh, greedy, getting theirs. Like, <laughs> man, they get it in the end. Fourth comic is called My Other Body, with art by Jack Katz. The story is very grim, about a guy who robs a store and then pays the price. Uh, and the last comic is called Locked In, with art by Bob Powell, who Bob Powell is interesting. He's a comics vet who'd been working through the 40s and even well into the 60s. He's got over 300 credits to his name, something mm. like 350 books wow. from one resource I had. <laughs> his story is is really neat. There's a great twist in there and a wonderful bit of revenge and payback and murder <laughs> and menace. The pro story is called Gambler's Haunt. It doesn't have any credits on it, but I actually, I, I don't know if you read this one, but it was terrific. Mm. Uh, like it's a murder and madness and ghosts. It was really neat. And I love how in this one and some of the other books, all the comic stories have a little intro yeah. to them. It's sort of a mix between Stan Lee type intro and Twilight Zone sort of yeah, intro. Yeah. And I just thought they were really effective. Yeah. And again, it's one of those things where it's just like we see that at the start of every single book that we read now, you know, in 2019. The next book that I have is Strange Tales number 28. And talking about cool covers, this cover is awesome. It is like we have this really cool cover of like this skeleton who is super spooky and it's called coming to my coffin. One, that's one of my greatest fears in the world. Okay. We're talking, uh, we're going to get into this real quick because this first story come share my coffin in here was so scary. As I'm reading these things and like, there's another story in here that ends in the most like what, 
like they decided to do that and they just did that. Yeah. It's <laughs> Way, awesome, right? It's, like it makes me wonder like when they're in the office or whatever, I mean, do we know exactly who the like intended audience was? Was it for like young kids? Was it for teens? That's a great question. I don't I guess I don't know if this is just a thing where it's just like, hey, rough and tumble upbringing kind of thing where it's just like you have some stories yeah, about getting this. buried alive or like these really, really tough, like hardcore subjects. And yeah. it's just totally out there on the in the in the pages. Maybe you're too soft. To I, maybe you're right, because like I'm reading this I'm like, how is this possible? Yeah. The first story comes here in my coffin, like a group of ne'er do wells doesn't end up well for like our, I guess, protagonists. Um, that's the thing with a lot of these. They just end straight up really dark. It's just like, like no hope. Just... Most of these stories have five or six pages. And right. it's like, we are getting you right there. Yeah. So like, this is breakneck speed yeah, yeah. of bang, bang, boom. You're sad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one was by artist Pete Tomlinson. Then we have the the first page of our little pro story. That's called The Strange Man. The second page pops up right after the story called With Knife in Hand, which is about like a twisted surgeon kind of guy. Yeah. This guy's messed up again. Really doesn't end well. I don't know if strange is the best adjective for these tales. It's more like <laughs> totally depressing, upsetting <laughs> tales. That uh, was by Jack Katz. I, I say that in, in, in kind of in jest because like these are really fun, like over the top. Super story. enjoyable. Yeah. Really, really great. The next one's called The Coward, which look, I alluded to titles that I identified with. This is one of them. The Coward, not just The Coward, but The Coward exclamation mark. Which, that one's written uh, or drawn by Bob Forgione. This was kind of a cool story. Like with there were certain like kind of noir influences, yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. some paranoia kind of story, which is really interesting. Then there's Voices. Drawn by Don Perlin, who <laughs> did a lot of Marvel. Uh, and there's some fascinating kind of little like historical slash background elements like. The ham radio enthusiast yes. in oh, all yeah. of us. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I love that story. The guy had a bit of a biff from Back to the Future in him. Yes. Twist was, was a real neat one. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the story. Yeah, the the kind of like, it is so funny to see the old school like, but then, yeah. you know, like <laughs> just fully like this is the real deal. And then the last story is called The Slums, which was another really interesting one. That kind of urban tale about this. I couldn't tell you who these characters reminded me of, but they felt familiar. But also, again, this one ended with like, What? Like, and then that's the end of the comic. Yeah. Just like close the book, go out and play some stickball in the street now, bud. Uh, Uh, Really like a tense story of like, I don't know. It felt like it's a wonderful life, but like it's a terrible life. (laughs) This one is uh, art by Tony DiPreta. And uh, it's about like these Lower East Side tenements and a guy getting out and, and all this other stuff. My grandparents grew up in those tenements. Wow. Like fascinating to me because- the people who were doing these probably also lived in those tenements right. at one point. Right. Uh, it's real wild. Yeah. The Strange Man, the pro story, I call it a real crackerjack tale in my <laughs> right. notes. I loved it. That one was really good. Yeah. A uh, little background on this one Strange Tales started in February of 1951. By the 1960s, it was essentially Doctor Strange's series. Right. Uh, and it was revived again in 1973 after five years of being gone, featuring Brother Voodoo. And I have no idea why I chose number 28. Honestly, <laughs> I was trying to figure it all out. And I'm like, I, that, that's the thing. You, We could have picked any of those, right. like the 35 issues available in Marvel Unlimited and would have been good. Yeah, totally. Next book is our superhero book. It's called Young Men. This is the title I, I felt a kinship with. I figured it? you would. Now, this one is really interesting because this issue marks the return of Captain America mm-hmm. and Bucky, Namor, 
and Human Torch to Marvel in August of 1953. And the last issues of their books came out in 1949, I believe. Huh. Come January 1954, so a couple of months after this, and they'd done a couple of issues of Young Men featuring the superheroes again, sort of like saying, hey, maybe you want the superheroes again, right. priming the pump a little bit. 1954, January, Captain America, Human Torch, Submariner all get their solo titles restarted in an attempt to get superheroes back in business at Marvel, now at Atlas. They didn't last. Hmm. It's interesting because Cap and Torch, they last about three issues each. Right. That's it. Wow. Submariner went for 10 issues. You know why? Because Namor is the best. <laughs> uh, this issue is pretty amazing, though. We get a Human Torch story by Stan Lee, Carl Burgos, and Russ Heath. We get a Captain America and Bucky story by Stan Lee and John Romita Sr. We get a Namor story by Bill Everett, which is bringing out the big guns for right. young men. Yeah. It's interesting to me is that Human Torch is the big star here. He's big on the cover. Yeah. Gigantic, getting most of that action with Submariner, Captain America. There at the bottom, it says, also in this issue, tiny along the bottom. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, these guys too. The Torch story fully embraces that the torch has been gone for four years, that he was covered by this substance, tossed in a grave, has now escaped and powered up by a nuclear blast. It's also in the story where we're told that Torch killed Hitler, but Hitler told people to say it was a suicide. It's one of my favorite panels in comics. <laughs> it is bananas. Yeah. I was reading it the other day. I was like, wait, is this... We did this. I loved it. It was so much fun. By the end, we find out what's been going on with Toro, who is Human Torch's sidekick. And it's communist brainwashing. Of course. Very much like Winter Soldier stuff, which right. is really interesting. Very gorgeous, clean, and packed art. Honestly, I called it a whiz-bang return in my notes. Nice. The Captain America story is interesting because it posits that Cap and Bucky did not die at the end of World War II. They just retired because their work was done. <laughs> uh, and they're brought back in action because the Red Skull shows back up. Obviously, we've definitely since gone against that notion, but this is a really neat story. Romita's action, top-notch, of course. whole thing is just super fun. And the Submariner story is by creator Bill Everett, who obviously created... Namor back in the 30s. Not a fan how they portray Betty Dean, who is Namor's police officer friend mm -hmm. at the beginning. She's all like, when I was a girl cop. And I was like, no, Betty Dean was awesome. Right. But there's a scene in there where Betty and her her like roommate are talking. And Betty's roommate is getting all hot all over Namor. She's like, what a hunk of man <laughs> when he comes over. I'm like, yes, he is. <laughs> uh, actually, though, by the end of the story, Betty's working side by side with Namor. It's really rad. And they wear matching shirts. Right. It is my favorite thing. It's so good. He fights robots from the planet Venus. It is fantastic. You have to read Young Men. Yeah, it's so cool to see Human Torch, Cap, and Namor there. Like, it's just super humble beginnings. It's really, really cool. Yeah. Next one up is Journey into Mystery number one. This uh, has a bunch of different stories into it. This is kind of a, a mystery suspense. Suspense. Uh, kind of, Sean Connery yeah. created suspense. This is uh, our foray into that genre. Really interesting. And certainly uh, a lot of overlap with horror in a lot of different ways, but definitely you can feel the tension that they were really building into these stories in a lot of different ways. The first one's called One Foot in the Grave. Again, it's it's a super fascinating kind of half horror -y kind of thing. I don't know. I, I don't, I, again, like even to this day, I don't really know what the line is between horror and suspense. I think that can be a debate sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's got a very Haunted Mansion vibe yes, in some of the yes. art, especially. Yeah. Uh, it was written by Stan Lee, art by Tony DiPretta. Then we have a prose story called 
death, uh, death finds a way. Uh, <laughs> uh, death finds a way. Then we have uh, another story called The Clutching Hands. Really, I mean, we're just starting off the huge. first panel. Yeah, exactly. It's gorgeous, wonderfully rendered, but it is, oh, we're starting you off with murder. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, As art by Carl Massey. Really interesting and kind of like psychotic. Yeah. Uh, and then we have another story called Haunted, which speaking of kind of like a haunted mansion kind yeah. of thing, this is totally that complete with like rat eating, like some sort of like carrion skull thing off the ground. Art uh, by Vic Carabata. Then we have a story called It Can't Miss. I liked it because there's a weirdo dude with a weird messed up face. Not in a way that's like, oh, something happened to him, but he's just like got like a crazy kind of eyes that are like off center. And I just felt like, yeah, like if this is a movie, like that's a character I'm into. Art by J. Scott Pike in there. Yeah, there's some really cool panels. There's one of the main character and his gun. I just love the way it's lit yeah. and done. So. Yeah, I think that was a really interesting thing throughout all of this is like the lighting and like the use of silhouette and shadow in all of these stories specifically. I think that was a way to introduce tension in these scenes, like in just the art itself where it's kind of hard to capture a kind of kinetic quality to it. So if you just make things feel looming and you introduce the tension that way, uh, it's super effective. Uh, and then we have a last story, which is called Iron Head, which is about this kind of salty sea dog who is like ne'er do well. This one was real trippy. That 2019 me is like, this has got like, I guess it's just like Jungle Cruise level, uncomfortable depictions yes. of, of people. It got to me. It is written by Stanley, art by Dick Ayers. These like depictions of these island savages, right, exactly. these cannibals. It was like, oh, come on. Yeah, guys. yeah. We have this kind of journey under the sea kind of mystery thing that unravels into something perilous for Ironhead over here. But uh, anyway, this is a, a great kind of genre take on it here. Just to, to feel the different ways that these creators would try to introduce that tension beyond the words, beyond just the pencils, you know, into the way it was inked and colored, things like that, was really effective in a lot of ways. And it totally did what it set out to do. And I think you can feel certain elements of that that still feel resonant to this day, even if, you know, sometimes you're just like, ha, look at that guy's goofy eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Before we wrap up, I just wanted to list off some of the books we were publishing at the very beginning of the decade. I will read them off. All True Crime, Best Love, Cindy Smith, Hetty of Hollywood, Joker Comics, Junior Miss, Kid Cult Outlaw, Little Lizzie, Love Romances, Love Tales, Lovers, Miss America Magazine, Patsy Walker, Reno Brown, Romance Tales, Teen Comics, Venus, Whip Wilson, Willie Comics, and Sports Action. Wow. That's the beginning of the decade. The end of the decade, we had A Date with Millie, Kathy, Millie the Model Comics, Patsy Walker, Kid Cult Outlaw, Two Gun Kid, Tales of Suspense, and Tales to Astonish. That's Hmm. it. So wow. you go, like look at the number of yeah. titles and then look at the breadth of titles. Mm-hmm. By the end, it's half the line was romance slash teen, quote unquote, girl comics, mm-hmm. two Western titles and two of the like the holdouts of mystery suspense, which yeah. are at that point brand new books. Right. There's so much that happened in the 50s that we don't have reprinted, don't have available fascinating stuff uh so that was our jaunt through the 1950s we'll be back with another special episode next month for the 1960s i am terrified because i don't know how to figure out what to talk about right it's so much it's everything yeah it is our like 
entire universe explodes into life mm-hmm. in 1961 and on. And yeah. so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Stay tuned to see how we do. I'm Ryan. And I'm Tucker. And this is Marvel. Your universe. <laughs>